welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And I sound like I smoked a full pack of cigarettes today. <laughs> Actually, this is not bad compared to yesterday. No. The team meeting? Yeah. Horrid. Kidding. Or no, two days ago. Hardly talk. Dude. Lost your voice. That rodeo. <laughs> yeah. I don't I mean, it was either that or... Definitely rodeo. I mean, me. Shannon was like, what did you do? I was like, I didn't... I literally didn't do anything cr- like crazy. But there was the one night where a few of us stayed up like rapping old rap songs for like two hours straight. Yeah. You already passed out. And yeah. we were just... I think it was just me and Dustin and Chris. Just... Sick. Old Lil Wayne. Old Lil Wayne. Yeah. For like every old mixtape you can think of. Yeah. And I think my voice is the literally drought. gone from that. Yeah, we listened to Drought three, like four times straight. And no ceilings. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, it was. For reference, people, I had my bachelor party in Dallas, Texas this past weekend. It was a good time. We just both lost our voices. We went to a rodeo. I was screaming at the horses and the bulls. Yeah. And that was sick. For no reason at all because I was having a lot of fun. I was uh, extremely surprised at how cool the rodeo was. Yeah. I mean, I, I figured it would that be was cool. A, really small rodeo and like, that blows my mind yeah because i felt like it was pelp's big. massive compared yeah. to that massive oh yeah well pelp is, is have you been in Ellensburg rodeo no yeah Even, that's bigger. a bunch of my family has so yeah. they talk about it but yeah the rodeo was sick um i had more fun there than i expected for sure Dope. and it's just crazy seeing what they do i had a few people dm me that i know that live in texas sick and they were like damn you're really doing texas yeah i was like hell yeah dude yeah. <laughs> you got to the barbecue was unreal. Yeah. Pecan or something? Uh, pecan. How do you say it? Pecan like, or pecan? I don't know. Pecan? I mean, I mean, everybody says it's different. It's like pecan uh, lodge. It's like tomato, tomato. Yeah. Pecan, you know? pecan lodge. Yeah. Like my grandma says uh, cats up instead of ketchup. Maybe that's just her. Dude, Dude, she's Canadian. I know she's somebody from that, Toronto. I know somebody that says dishwasher. Oh, yeah. My grandma does that. Yeah. It yeah. is a grandma. Yeah. No, I think it's a. The it's, washer machine? Are they from Oregon? Dude, I don't know. I think it's an Oregon thing. My buddy's friend. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I have many people that, in my family that said they're all from Oregon. Wow. And then my grandma that says cats up is from Toronto, so I don't know if that's a Canadian thing. Cats up. Cats up, yeah. That one, I don't I don't think that's right <laughs> at all. <laughs> tomato, tomato makes sense, but the Pecan Lodge, if you're ever in Dallas, Dude. oh my God. The, that line, was, the line was pretty long, but yeah, it, it was, was so But good. it went quick because yeah. the smoker's always going. Yeah. But that was like one of the top radio places, so we went there, and that was... The burnt ends, that's new to me. Yeah. Burnt ends. It's basically just the end of anything they smoke. All the flavors. I was like, Luke, what is this? He was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, what kind of meat is it? Like, yeah. It's know. brisket. CJ, oh, told me, to, CJ told me yesterday. Oh, Well, okay. supposedly. I had brisket, and then I had, but if I would have known that was brisket, I would have got that. Yeah. But I just got regular brisket, and I got shredded pork, coleslaw, some rolls. Yeah. It's amazing. Your okay. phone keeps turning off on me. But we're going to do the reviews. Um my uh, Apple iTunes or, or podcast app doesn't work, so we're trying to figure this out. But we have three winners winners that we're choosing for the review contest um, and uh, or the giveaway. I keep saying contest. Kind of a contest. And uh, we're going to send you some journals, some tailored life journals. I'm super stoked about those. So we're going to do three winners. The first one is Shelly Ray K., uh, way beyond fitness is the title of it. Five stars. And she said, just like the intro says, this podcast goes way beyond fitness and nutrition. Cody is raw, extremely knowledgeable and entertaining. I love listening to this podcast. Thank you, Shelly. I appreciate that email. Uh, you can email Emily at tailoredcoachingmethod.com with the subject line podcast winner giveaway, giveaway, yep. something along those lines. Yep. Um, 
if you're another Shelly out there in the world, don't play us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Shelly Ray K, we'll look this up. But email us, email Emily at tailoredcoachingmethod.com. Make sure you send your mailing address as well um, and just let us know you're a winner. And we're going to get that journal out to you this week. Next one we got is Kristen Dean, Kristen and Dean. Great information, and I can't read the rest of it because it's abbreviated, but this one's great. This is easily one of the most helpful podcasts I have come across. Easy to digest information, straightforward and to the point. Thank you. I appreciate that one because typically I rant and ramble so much. So the fact that she said straight to the point, yeah. straightforward and to the point. I like the easy to digest because yeah. I know a lot of time you go deep into the... Dude, I got to give you credit on that because I think sometimes you you reel me back. Yeah. Or you ask questions that people listening might yeah. be asking themselves, which is good. Um, Even if they're not gen pop, I'm just like, dude, you're going scientific. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the cool thing is too is like uh, I don't think of that in my head. Yeah. And sometimes afterwards you're like, is that a dumb question? I'm like, not at all. Dude. That's actually perfect, you know? So I'm sure people appreciate that. But Kristen Dean, same thing. Email Emily at tailoredcoachingmouth.com with your mailing address and let us know that you are a podcast winner in the uh, subject line of the email. And the last winner is Glorian G. Best bang for your buck. This one is long, but I'm going to read it because it's dope. Uh, if you love strength and conditioning, enjoy geeky geeking out on either science or lifestyle of it. If you are into the psychology of sports performance, mental health, and basically the philosophical underpinnings of self-development, then this podcast is for you and your mom, dog, coworkers, and everyone in your orbit. And she did not put a V. That's why I said everyone. Every episode is jam-packed with evidence-based research distilled for casual consumption, actionable tips, profound affirmations about the human potential to grow and improve across all domains. Also, Cody is so real, humble, and authentic that it makes for easy, interesting, and fun listening. Such an incredible resource for anyone on their path to self-improvement. Way more accessible and dynamic than a lot of the other science-based fitness podcasts. No gimmicks or dogma. I can't get enough. Highly recommend. Mindset Mondays are like fit, secular sermons. I almost butchered that. And Q&As are a lot of fun as well. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Some, some big words in there yeah. that made it really sick. Yeah. Very descriptive. Good writer, honestly. I mean, your dog listened to it. The, yeah. No shit. <laughs> Basically, the philosophical underpinnings of self-improvement. That's sick. Yeah. Really, really good good review, Glorian. Um, so, Glorian G, same thing. Email emily at tailoredcoachingmethod.com. Give us your mailing address and put podcast winner in the description. And we're going to get that uh, journal and some sick tailored stickers or something. We'll throw some different things in there and we'll, we'll send it out to you ASAP. So thank you guys. Thank you for all the, the people leaving reviews. And as always, if you agree with anything that those people said, if you like this podcast, if you like what we do, if you like the free information, please do me a huge favor. Leave us a five-star rating review. It does help us grow quite a bit. Recommend this podcast to a friend. Send it to somebody. Text it to somebody. Take a picture of it. Put it on your story on Instagram. Do whatever you got to do to get people listening to it because we're just trying to spread the wealth. Um, speaking of which, this is actually really cool. Uh, Sunday, I think I got an email. And uh, if you're listening to this, shout out to you. I haven't emailed you back, but maybe I have by the time you hear this. Um, but she literally told me, thanking me for all the free content we put out everywhere and asked me to choose the charity of my choice because she's going to donate a bunch of money or whatever just to pay it forward for what I do. Wow. Yeah. It's like, that's fucking cool. Interesting. She's that's just really like, you cool. give so Loves much. Content. I want to give to pick any charity. Cool. It's like, 
should email her back, dude. Uh, I'm going to. I'm thinking. <laughs> I don't want to pick Children's Hunger Fund, not yeah. because I'm, I don't love it, but because we donate thousands to it already yeah. every single month. So it's like, all right, which one do I want to go That's with? Like, yeah, you know, something else. Super, super cool. That is cool. A lot of go givers listening. Yeah, so, it's dope. All right, let's get into the podcast. Do you want to talk about what we're gonna do? Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. It's, uh, I mean, essentially things that I have changed my mind on in nutrition, fitness, nutrition. This one's almost, I think it's all nutrition. Oh, there actually. we go. We could do a second one on fitness. Yeah, I probably should. Actually, that's perfect. Yeah. I didn't mean to do it only on nutrition until I was at number six. It's just a lot of things that you've changed your mind on. <laughs> yeah, there's probably more in nutrition, but yeah, um, yeah I, I was, uh, what was I doing? I was, I, I was listening to a podcast this morning and I heard something that has, science has changed its opinion on and what research has shown has changed so much. Then I kind of started thinking about that and then I actually went on our blog to go back to pull a link. And I saw a couple of blogs that talk, talk about topics that I think I would write differently today. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm being completely honest, there's certain things on there. Um, there's also, there was a recent uh, study done on vegan diets and it was finally like a more long-term one done on hypertrophy. So lifting. And that kind of changed my opinion on vegan diets. Um, I'm still a meat lover and yeah. I always will be, but it definitely changed the way I would approach things. So I, I wanted to bring that up and that's one of the ones we're going to talk about today. But yeah. Um, just, just those thoughts were going through my head, and I was like, man, there's probably a few things, you know? And so I just started jotting them down, and, and I came up with seven. Totally. All right, cool. The first one we're going to get into today is uh, macros are restrictive. So you want to say your uh, prior perspective and your new yeah. perspective? Um, or, or why? You, I th- pr- dude, I think it was just, like, influence of other people around me. Mm-hmm. Because when I first started, macros were – they seemed restrictive – controlling OCD, you're tracking all these numbers, you're, you're kind of, uh, I mean, OCD, it's almost like you have to be obsessive, yeah. right? And, and over controlling and overbearing with it. But that, in my opinion, is completely false. But at the time, that's what I was told, you know, precision nutrition was, and I love precision nutrition, so no hate against that. But it was the only nutrition certification company really out back then. And I didn't level one and level two. And they don't dive into prescribing macros and, and cycling mm-hmm. macros and diet breaks. And um, and they might now. Maybe they've changed some of it. But a lot of it was very habit-based, health-based, you know. And if you look at the demographic they worked with, it made sense, right? And a lot of what they teach, and this is why I think it's – I actually recommend PN all the time to people. They dive into so much of behavior change and the psychology behind nutrition and dieting and coaching that I think there's a lot of coaches that need that because they miss out on the psychological piece in the aspect of, okay, cool. I'm giving you these macros. How do I get you to adhere to it? Totally. Right. And that's a completely different ballgame than knowing how to calculate macros. But what it did is it created this almost dog, dogmatic approach or this dogmatic view um, around tracking macros being obsessive and that the answer was it's, you know, you got to do something more stress-free. Right. And that implies that tracking macros is super stressful. But the reality is, is it's not like I've had so many people lower stress when they track macros because it increases their control. And if they have control over their diet, they also have freedom and flexibility within their diet. And so when my mind changed was working at the gym and uh, I went through a competition prep, got shredded. And the only thing I changed was my nutrition. Right? I added cardio walking on a treadmill but during my prep, I went from strength training four days a week to strength training four days a week. And I went from not tracking any macros to tracking macros, dialing them in, adjusting them over time, and getting absolutely shredded. So when I go through this 
12, 13 week prep and go from I'm healthy to shredded. And I realized the only thing I did really besides walking more was adjust my macros, mm-hmm. right? Um, and when I say walking more, I mean a lot. Like I got up to like 45 minutes of cardio a day walking on a treadmill, which was extremely boring. Multiple thousands of steps. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to do that every day. But point is, is the main thing I was manipulating was macros. And I was like, whoa, this opens up a whole new chapter, right? And at that point, I was really just certified in PN1 and PN2. I don't even know if I had my PN2 yet. And, and I was afraid to use calories, macros, tracking apps, things like that. Any really any biofeedback markers, any data points that required people to track numbers because I was told it was restrictive. And I was worried that people were going to, there's no way they could follow this. Mm. And, uh, and everybody around me agreed, worked with Gen Pop, right? And finally, I just got kind of sick of it. And I was like, well, these people aren't getting results. So what do I have to lose, right? They're not following the plan. Like eating healthy, quote unquote, yeah. isn't getting them where they want to be, which tells me they're either not eating healthy or they're eating healthy a part of the time and then going all out the other part of the time. And if they go all out, I mean, what does that look like? How many street tacos did you have? Did you have anything else? How much beer did you have? Did you have diet tonic or, or straight tonic? Different for a lot of different sugar. You know what I mean? So there's no way to control or even understand what was consumed in those high calorie periods. And so because of that, I was like, okay, we're going to start tracking macros. Right. And I got really great results with an everyday person. I did it again. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. And now it's just my go-to, right? So even I, I had a conversation with Ariel this morning, one of our newer coaches, and w- one of the lines she said that she uses with her coaches was, or her clients was really cool. Um, she says, you know, tracking macros is a tool. It's not a prison. It's like, that is huge because a lot of people think once you track macros, you're stuck, yeah. right? But it's a tool. So it teaches you quantities. It teaches you macronutrients. It teaches you consumption knowledge and awareness, which allows you later on to not track macros because now you understand what you're consuming. So rather than it being something that you're stuck with or that you're trapped in, it's actually a a tool for more freedom and control and an ability to get yourself where you want to be faster, right? Your end result, essentially. Um, And I love the way she put that. So ultimately, the thing that I've changed my mind on is that everyday people can't track macros. You know, that was the whole thing is that everyday people, they just need habits. They need, you know, but the truth is, is that's too simplistic. They know what healthy food is. They just don't do it. So how do we create a way to give them boundaries to where they can still eat healthy food, but they can also eat not so healthy food sometimes if they want. They can have alcohol. They can have some treats. They can have some ice cream. Well, we've created a budget system is macros and we track those macros so that we can manipulate them over time. Cause even in the situation where we put somebody on a habit based plan, cause at the beginning we do that sometimes, right? Somebody comes on board and I'm like, you know what? And everybody listening, you, it's either you or you know, somebody who's like this too, like macros is probably just going to overwhelm them more, right? We probably shouldn't throw all this at them. Okay. But I'm going to tell them on the front end that we're going to track eventually. Because even if those habits that we instill in you and you, you, let's say you do lock them down, eventually it's going to lead to a plateau. Everybody plateaus in their, their diet and their progress at some point in time. When you plateau, if you're just eating whole food, you're following habits, you're doing, you're in handful, it's intuitive. What do you do when you plateau? Eat more intuitively. Yeah. You're already eating intuitively. There's nothing you can do besides restrict. I can say, okay, we're going to cut out this. But now it's a restrictive relationship and a restrictive mindset, which is not healthy, neither for the coaching relationship or the client's food relationship. 
So instead of me saying, you need to stop eating all this because I know that's inherently going to lower your calories to help you break this plateau, I'm just going to lower your calories until you, you can eat whatever the hell you want within those calories. So now you have a budget system which enables, like, it does restrict calories, but it empowers you to lose weight, understand why you're losing weight because now you have the knowledge of calories and the understanding of what thermodynamics are and energy balance, but it also gives you the freedom to still fit the foods you like in there. Right, rather than me saying you can't eat this anymore, I'm just gonna pull calories. You can keep eating it. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, that was that was huge for me. Um, we use macros with basically every client we work with at one point or another, and we have a lot of people who are nervous about it at the beginning. Um, we have a lot of people who say they don't want to track macros, um, but we've never had anybody complain about tracking macros to this day. We've never had anybody complain because of the way we go about it, the way we teach them the system, just works. Yeah, works. Why would you say? The phrase "everyday person cannot track macros." Because, like, do you mean consistently? Do you mean accurately? Do you mean all of the above? And and that was the statement that was put on to me. Yeah. So everybody around me at the time, and every a lot of people in the industry would say, it's not that they can't; they physically can. Yeah. Sometimes, but but the belief the belief was that they couldn't be consistent with it the belief is that that's not what they needed the belief was that it's not gonna you know habits are what they need and an intuitive planner what they need because you can't track macros for the rest of your life right and the reality is is tracking macros is the the path to not tracking i think you can i mean i think you can track macros the rest of your life but not as diligently as you yeah no but maybe not as diligently well yeah i guess if you really want to but not as, uh, as diligently the right word like at, yeah. at the beginning, you need to be on point. 100%. You know what I mean? But still, like, people even extremely experienced at it are still tracking. 100%. Um, there's also a lot of people who are no longer tracking, but the reason they're no longer tracking is because they did track. Yeah. Right? Because when you track macros, you have to learn how to measure food properly. You have to learn it's like they're how me- much fat is in that steak or the oil or the butter or, or whatever I'm eating. How many carbs are in that bread or that or the rice or the potato? Once I learn these things, I get to my result and I reverse diet – I can slowly stop tracking because now I just know, right? You're never going to be spot on, but you know, and you can maintain on that. When you, when you say that you know, it's like you're just mentally tracking. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. And you don't even need to think about it. Um, you're more in tune with your body. So yeah. you know your hunger cues. You know all those things. But it happens when you listen to your body and you give it what you, it needs and you're tracking macros throughout the process because now you have the data totally. associated with what you're doing. Um, and that's ultimately what leads to long-term success yeah. and intuitive eating realistically, well-educated, intuitive eating. For sure. Um, so I definitely changed my mind on that, and, and I was glad I did. And I have this conversation with new coaches all the time because it's like, what do I do when new coaches that come in onto our team, what's our strategy when somebody comes aboard and they don't want to track macros? And it's, you, first of all, tell them, eventually we probably will. Then you either start without and slowly lead them into it, or you tell them that you're probably going to need to eventually, and so they buy in and we do it now. Because if they understand that they will plateau and when they plateau, it's much more freeing and empowering and successful. If we have macros to tweak, to break through that plateau, usually people are like, okay, I'm in because it, it, at the end of the day, like, what are you coming here for? Yeah. Results. So if I tell you, Hey, you got to spend five minutes tracking your food and it's going to make your results happen faster. They're going to be more sustainable and we're going to run into less plateaus along the way. And I can have more guaranteed answers because I don't have to say, I think this will happen. I know if we do this, this will happen. And that's empowering. I think if somebody, correct me if I'm wrong, I think if somebody doesn't want to track their macros and they're set on it, they're not coming to our company. Yeah. Because <laughs> either like, like you just said, if they, if they do 
successfully sign up with us and they don't want to at first, but them signing up saying, okay, eventually I am open to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, oh, yeah, if, but if I'm not, they're going somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And But here's the thing too is the most successful companies, I'm not going to talk about other successful yeah. companies, yeah. but the most successful companies that do nutrition coaching and get results, they use macros. Yeah. You know, and I think it's one of those things as well where it's like, okay, I talked about this with one of our guests about like meditation. I was like, I'm not about meditation, but that guy does it and that successful lady does it and that business owner does it and that great family man does it. And I'm like, all right, what's going on here? There's a, there's a common denominator. Yeah. This isn't a coincidence. Like, let me test this out. And I'm not like a huge meditator. I don't meditate every single day of my life and I don't meditate for hours on end, but majority of days I do. Um, and it just works, yeah. but I had to give, I had to just, I had to like realize, okay, you know, I might not want to do this right now, but eventually I might, you know, enjoy it or see the benefit. And I talked to somebody about this recently too, with uh, journaling. It was like, they struggled with the journaling and the tarot life challenge, right? And they came on board as a client of one of our coaches. So I got on the phone with them. We're just bullshitting. And she was like, that was the one thing I just, can't, I can't get into it. I don't see the benefit of it. And I'm like, it's because I was like, what do you think the ben- the result you'll get from journaling is? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, that's the problem, right? What results are you after? And then let's find a bridge of how this is going to help you get there, right? Because if you have a goal of being more successful, losing more weight, and any of that has uh, is being blocked because you're too stressed or you can't think of what the next step is or you don't have the action plan or you don't reflect enough so you can't learn from your mistakes and you keep repeating the same mistakes and self-sabotaging yourself. Okay, now we can get somewhere because I can teach you how to journal to fix those things. And once you realize that journaling is going to answer those questions and solve those roadblocks to get you where you want to be, now journaling is an easy habit because you see the direct link from journaling to result. So it's the same thing with macros. When somebody doesn't want to do macros, a lot of times coaches give in and say, okay, well, we can do without because they're so worried about getting the cell. And I'm like, hey, well, how about I convince you that this is actually going to help you a lot? And I bet you really would like how you would look and feel if you lost that weight and felt really good, you know, if you got that flat stomach you're after, how would you feel? Cool. Let me show you how this relates to that. And now it's like no brainer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but again, that goes back to the base thing we always talk about. Educate your fucking clients. Yeah. Period. You're not after that sale. You're more about telling them you're going to get that result with macros. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I'd rather be honest and lose the sale. Totally. Dude, I just had, just had a call with a guy. Um, he's gonna be working with Brian and, uh, Puck, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout this guy out because I'm super grateful. Uh, uh, Jack Mol- Molesco uh, from West Windsor owns Forge Performance Gym. Sending people, he owns a gym. This guy went to him and he sent him to us. Say that again? He, this guy who, that I just talked to went to their gym and I don't know if it was a, a money thing or if it was just not the and right And the gym fit. sent them to us? Yep. Do you know because the gym? I had to ask guy. I was like, who is it? I don't know, but I'm going to, I wrote his name in Jim Dunks. I want to shout him out. I want to message him or something. Shout him out on the podcast too. But he, he basically just said like, I, I have sent people there and I will continue to send people to this company because I trust everything they do. Sick. So dope. So that's not, that's not the client that's working with Brian. No, oh. that's the guy that sent him to us. Oh, sick. Two weeks ago, I talked to a lady from Florida. I think she, Oh, no, maybe she's not. Maybe she's working with Trevor. I think also working with Brian, but um, same thing. She works with a a trainer over there, and he was like, nutrition, this, that, out of my scope, these are the people I trust. So dope. And the cool thing, I don't have relationships with these people. 
But that's what happens when you're fucking honest. Yeah. And you do good, good work and you're not, like I said, if somebody gets on the phone, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to yeah. tell you how it is. And if, if you don't want to sign up because that's too honest or too real and I'm blunt about it, then I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be a cakewalk and not require any, uh, any hard work or discipline to follow these, these steps. I'm just going to tell you what it is and tell you I'm going to make it as easy as possible. But yeah. they, might, they might realize it multiple times and multiple times doing it with other people and my, that they're going to tell you it's a cakewalk and figure out it doesn't work. Yeah. <clears throat> but super, super cool. I'm super appreciative that people. That's so cool. That are trained. They're in the industry doing their own thing. They're still like yeah. sending people this way. Totally. That's super cool. All right. All right. That's macros of restrictive. Uh, next one we're going to go to is. I feel a part two coming. Reverse <laughs> dieting can't be slow. Um, all right. So, uh, and who knows, maybe I just got fired up about that one, but. You know, reverse dieting, when it originally came out, it was a very slow process. Uh, I remember people in the physique space when it first came out talking about, and this sounds so funny now, five gram, five gramming you to death, I think it was what it was. Basically, so five grams of carbs is 20 calories. So adding 20 calories, five grams of carbs per week and a reverse diet. That is so slow. Okay. Dude, five grams of carbs is like two grains of rice. So, okay. Oh my. I mean, not literally. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it's 10. Very small amount. Maybe it's 10 grams. Yeah. 10 grains of rice. Yeah. A spoon. <laughs> you can add one spoon of rice this week. But it literally did that because it was such a slow and gradual process that you stayed shredded. Right? And it was amazing. We were seeing this. I was seeing it with clients. These guys were, I was seeing it online with these crazy testimonials. You go super, super slow. You work their cal, you get them shredded, work their calories up super slowly, and you keep them shredded. And now they're eating way more food. It was unbelievable. Then all of a sudden, we saw people would stay shredded and add all this food, and they would still have low testosterone, still have high cortisol, still have bad uh, thyroid, still feel like shit, still really hungry, even though they're eating more than they ever have. And it's like, okay, what's going on here? And the truth was, they were going so damn slow that their hormones did not improve in the reversal process, right? Because part of why your, your hormones get bad when you get really lean, and this all started with stage competitors, so we got to remember that, is because you get so shredded. You don't have enough body fat on your body. Not necessarily about what you eat, but how much body fat you have on your body. It's especially true for women. Then the recovery diet came out, which was from 3DMJ. Big fans of those guys. I love the recovery diet. Um, but it was specifically designed for competitors. This person is way too shredded. So instead of going super slow and getting them really high calorie, but not reversing any symptoms, we're going to aggressively jump their calories up so that they can gain a little bit of body fat. And then we're going to go slow after that yeah. because that body fat accumulation is what's going to make them healthy again. That got super popular. The problem with that is that that information spread into gen pop. And a lot of the time that does not apply to gen pop because a gen pop client is not getting as shredded as a bodybuilder. Most coaches like us, they won't, won't even let it. Yeah. Unless you're doing a photo shoot or you're getting on a bodybuilding stage or you like the sport of bodybuilding, whether you get on stage or not, you want to get like, that's a different conversation. But for most people, they want to get lean and sustain it. So we shouldn't be pushing them to a point that's unsustainable. If we push them to the point where your body fat is so low that your hormones are damaged just from how low your body fat is, not from the calorie deficit you're in, now we have a sustainability issue. So 
my thoughts have changed multiple times. It started with, let's go slow because then we can keep people shredded and it's a great before and after to, oh shit, we're kind of fucking people up because their hormones aren't reversing. So we got to be aggressive, take a big jump and then go slow, which made people feel good. But then you have Gen Pop who was like, well, I lost the 20 pounds I wanted, but then I gained five pounds. Like what the fuck? Yeah. And now where I kind of sit with this is actually further back to the beginning, the slow ass route, not five grams of carbs because that's, just ridiculous. I would, if you're gonna do five grams a week, do 15 grams every three weeks, just more enjoyable. At least you can notice how much calories you're adding in, but I'm not that far back, but I am further back than I was when the recovery diet first came out because we work with a lot of people who are, I call advanced gen pop, which basically means they are everyday people. They're not competing in shows. Most time we do have some competitors. I actually just had a competitor, um, uh, shout out to Rushi. She actually, uh, placed and she actually fucking crushed it. Um, I was bummed because we were in Dallas during it. So originally I wanted to go, mm. um, but she crushed it. She got a ton of, uh, like just credit and accolades from like some really, really well-known bikini and physique competitors in that industry and stuff. So, um, shout out to her. She absolutely crushed it, but we do work with those people, just not as much as these advanced gym pop, right? Which is people like me. It's people like Lisa, Haley, how everybody on our team, right? Yeah. We like being lean. We like performing. We like feeling really healthy. We like having good digestion and good energy. We're not competing in anything, right? Like it's just, we just do it because this is how we want to live our lives. And we'd rather live leaner and stronger and healthier. So for those people, I don't think there's anything wrong with reverse dieting slow. Because the truth is, you shouldn't diet so hard that your hormones just crash and shut down, right? Putting Arushi on stage. I got her calories really fucking low. So we're making some quick bumps post show because they were really low. Her calories were really low and she was doing cardio every single day. It's part of being a bikini competitor. But I have other clients. Uh, I have one shout out to Amber. I've reverse dieted and she uh, has actually gotten leaner throughout it. She's gained a little bit of weight, like a pound or two maybe, but it's just muscle and glycogen because she's leaner than she was. And we're going pretty damn slow, but it's, it's assessing, right? So we get her to this point where she's super lean. We've been dieting for a good amount of time, slow and steady. She's where she wants to be. She can see her abs. She has upper back is like shredded and seeing your abs as a female is pretty damn good. Not shredded six pack, but you can see your abs, which is a huge win. And it's like, how do you feel? You know, do you still have your period? Do you have a sex drive? Do you have energy? Do you have productivity? Like how is your performance in gym? And the, the extent of how bad it got was I'm not hitting PRs anymore, right? I'm, I'm maintaining some of my lifts, but, you know, there's days where I feel low, pretty low energy, mm. which is expected. You're eating way less. Um, that's about it. I'm hungry. Yeah, you're in a deficit. That yeah. makes sense, <laughs> yeah. you know? But it's not like I have no sex drive. I want to eat everything in front of me. I'm, like, really cranky, uh, like – all the signs that we typically, I lost my menstrual cycle, things like that, that happen pretty commonly to, to competitors or people for that sure. get shredded. So for her, I'm like, cool, we're going to go super fucking slow. You've worked your ass off to get this lean. We're going to go slow. So just bear with me, stay accountable, stay in communication with me because a hard part of reverse dieting is patiently increasing calories slowly while you don't gain weight, but you're still hungry, right? You want to eat more. Um, and there's times where if hunger's too crazy, I still will make a good little bump up because I want to, make sure that they get that satiation. Cause if I go too slow and it doesn't satisfy that hunger cue, they're going to binge. They're going to overeat and the reverse diet process out the window. But my point is, is she's fine. 
There's no problem with it. I've done it with guys too, and there's no, there's no problem with it. Yeah. Um, I have another guy who we were in a cut, and we just hit a hard plateau, and it was like, man, your body's not budging. We've been at this. Your calories are already pretty damn low. I know we're not there yet at your goal, but we're going to reverse diet and, and go to a maintenance phase for a little while, and if we got to go back into a cut soon, we will, but we got to take a break. So I bumped his calories up right away, good little chunk, and then a good another little chunk to get him like back to like a maintenance phase. He lost weight. Looks leaner. Perfect. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, maybe he just needed a little bit more fuel. Now his energy expenditure went up. But point being is is you, you don't need to be afraid of super slow. Um, I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> super slow um, reverse dieting. You know, like five grams of carbs a week is pretty fucking excessive. Yeah. But if you want to bump your, your carbs up 10 to 15 grams, your fat five grams, that's fine. That's a small adjustment and that's okay. Even just 15 grams. If I have their, their fat at a minimum, I'm not afraid to go 10 to 15 grams every one, two or three weeks, depending on how their body adjusts and spend a few months to slow reverse dieting because their biofeedback is fine. And if they want to stay lean, that's how you do it. Yeah. So um, the thing that I changed my mind on is that the recovery diet is the answer. I think it's the answer for physique athletes who get shredded and need that. But for people who lose weight, they like the way they look and their biofeedback isn't dog shit outside of training performance being down and maybe their hunger is a little bit higher. There is nothing wrong with going slower during reverse to give them the satisfaction of sustaining the weight loss that they had. That's what they paid you for. That's what they were after. And if I can keep them there, that makes them happy. Go slow, but like you said, not so slow that it's five grams. Yeah. And be aware of what your client's experiencing. Yeah. Right. So if, if you're going slow and you're not asking them, Hey, how are you feeling? How's your mood? How's your, how's your relationship? You know, are you like for a guy, are you just a dick all the time? Like, are you, nope. yeah, they'll say no. <laughs> Honest with me, man. Are you yeah. being a dick? Cause you know, when we get hungry, yeah. <laughs> we're a dick. Um, is your sex drive there? Like any, things like that, that you should be able to talk to your client about. And if they have issues, then maybe you do need to go faster. But if they're like, dude, I feel great. Like the best sign, you know, is like when they're like, Hey, I'm fine staying here. Cause I want to stay lean. Like I feel fine. You're like, Perfect. Yeah. Um, you have that enthusiasm. That means that your biofeedback is great. We're still going to bump up slowly because there's no point in keeping your calories low. We can reverse diet and keep you lean. We just have the permission to go slower because totally. you feel fine. So, and that's, that applies mainly to gem pop and advanced gem pop. Dope. Cool. All right. Um, we're going to move on to the third one and we are going to nutrition, nutri nutrient timing doesn't matter. I changed my mind on this. Not too long ago, actually, because for a long time, what it was is, okay, so, and this is the, the nutrition industry is so funny because the pendulum swings so much, right? Like in the 90s and early 2000s, um, and mind you, I was not paying attention to shit in the 90s, but I read, <laughs> I look back in history and I'm like, what were these bodybuilders doing? What were these jacked individuals doing? Um, and w this pendulum of nutrient timing was, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s, maybe even the 80s, I don't know, but like when protein powder was first invented, nutrient timing was marketed because if you didn't get to your protein shake, which was the fastest digesting protein you could consume, immediately post-workout, you literally lost gains. Like, mm. So the idea was literally, if you don't have protein post-workout, you're going to lose what you just built, which now that you think about it, is just f ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, think of hunter-gatherer days. And in like, even I think of, uh, this is obviously a movie, so who knows what they look like or a TV show, but I think of... Uh, Vikings or, or the last kingdoms when I'm watching the last kingdom, super dope. Uh, yeah. Uhtred, the, the main character is jacked and 
You think that motherfucker has protein every three to five hours? <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't. Now it's a movie, so he probably does because he's an actor. However, back in the day, they didn't. Your, your body is resilient and it's going to adapt, so you're still going to build muscle. Is it, is you gonna, are you going to squeeze out as many gains? Maybe not. But you also don't need to go, it was like 30 minutes or an hour, like you had to get to your protein shake, they said. There was this anabolic window. That anabolic window is more like three hours. So if you get protein within three hours, you're like optimized. Realistically, if you get it within like, I think it's like 16 or 24 hours or something like that, you'll still be fine. You're not going to lose muscle. If you go a few days, yeah, you're fucked. You're going to be losing muscle tissue. Yeah. There's no reason to do that. But for the most part, it's like just get to something within a couple hours. You know, two, three hours, you're fine. Um, and it doesn't have to be whey protein shake. But this whole thing led to this whole big pendulum swing of, Nutrient timing is the key. You got to have protein immediately after your workout. You have to have six meals a day because it strokes the metabolism. You need to have protein in each feeding six times a day. Um, all kinds of stuff, right? Uh, you can't have carbs and fats together and you have to have fats at this window and carbs in this window. And then they did more and more and more and more studies and they were just like, oh, it's just calories and protein. So it doesn't matter when you eat as long as you eat your calories. It doesn't matter how many meals you eat. It's just about your calories. It doesn't matter when you have your protein. It's just about having it. It doesn't matter uh, if you have carbs and fats together or separate or if you have high carb or low carb or high fat or low fat. You just need to have your calories, yeah. you know, which diminished everything except calories and protein. Then, you know, we did more studies. They do more studies on endurance athletes. And they're like, oh, okay, well, this is a different scenario. You know, they're depleting so much to bring stuff down. Then they did studies on like high volume bodybuilders and intra-workout carbs and protein and aminos. And all of a sudden, they see higher benefits and more muscle and better regulation of cortisol because they're mitigating these things and balancing these things, balancing protein uh, synthesis and muscle protein breakdown with the nutrient timing they were using. Then chrononutrition started being studied. And this was the idea of, of intermittent fasting on the flip. So having your biggest meal in the morning, stop eating sooner, all of a sudden, we see an improvement in energy expenditure per day, which means our maintenance calories can improve, which means that our circadian rhythm is better. So now, all of a sudden, when you eat does matter. You know, and then we have tons of protein studies that show eating every three to five uh, hours protein is going to maximize muscle protein synthesis. So the point is, is it Very went contradicting over 20, 30 years. Yeah. Okay. So like studies were way over here and then it kind of was like, oh, wait, no, it doesn't matter at all. And it's like, oh, actually, you know, now that we have more research, more uh, resources, more everything and more people willing to do studies... It's coming up. And you got to think about this too. When a study gets done, a study gets done and we find out something, every coach, every evidence-based practitioner, every researcher has 10 questions each, which goes, well, fuck, now we got to do another study because we didn't answer any of these questions or like consider these variables. So I do another study. That's why there's so many like, I almost feel bad for researchers. Like the researchers I do know, I've talked to about this, uh, Chris Barakat, uh, um, Brandon Roberts, I've talked to about this, Bill Campbell, I've talked to about this, like outside of content. And they do studies and it's got to be exciting. Dude, you do a study and you finally get participants. You do it for, you know, at least six weeks, if not eight, 12, 24, some like long studies. Then it takes, uh, we're going to be talking about this on the Q&A soon, but uh, Bill Campbell did a study that's, last time I talked to him, he still couldn't reveal because it was still going through review. And that was months ago. And he did the study a year before that. It takes so long. And then it comes out and you get all these people critiquing it and being like, what about this? You didn't think about this. And it's like, fuck. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Are you in the lab? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. But the point is, is it, and they understand this too, like obviously, but it opens up questions. So the nutrient timing thing kind of just went back and forth so many times that now my stance is very more neutral than it, it's ever been, but far more for nutrient timing than against it. I've just seen too many people 
have better digestion because I tweaked their nutrient timing. I've seen people adhere to their calories better because I tweaked their nutrient timing. So like if I say, hey, all that matters is your calories and protein, just hit these numbers. And you're like, okay, well, I'm busy. I don't know when to eat. I don't know what to eat. I don't know what's going to give me energy. I don't know what's going to make me hungry again. I don't know what's going to digest well because 30 grams of fat digests really poorly for some people, whereas some people it are totally fine. And some people need 10 to 15 because it slows digestion down of pre-workout. Some people can't have any around their workout because it slows it down too much. And if people's gallbladder isn't healthy enough, that affects your fat digestion. Then we have carbs on the other hand. Some people get hypoglycemic if they have too many carbs, if they don't have enough fiber. Like, so you see these things and you go, okay, well, I'm going to adjust the meals here. And now all of a sudden you're playing with nutrient timing. And because of that, they feel better. You can show them how to fit it into their schedule of what eating windows they have mm -hmm. based on when they wake up, when they go to bed, their work, their training, um, how their energy is. I've seen people recover better. And we consider all these things and we're like, okay, if for nothing else other than adherence to the main principle of calories, nutrient timing does matter because it allows me to get you better adherent and consistent with the main things that fucking matter, right? So I'm a huge fan. I've also seen just, I think people recover better. So it's like, they're not tracking that. They're just doing macros. And then I tweak with nutrient timing. They start hitting PRs. They're recovering better. Now they have less cravings, which I relate to. And there's no, I can't prove this, but I relate that to, I helped you manage stress levels and cortisol levels better around your training and before bed and things like that because of nutrient timing and placing carbs in super, certain windows. And now you have less cravings because stress is lower, right? And we manage insulin. So it's like, and even that, that's another one. Insulin was like the, the boogeyman. People try to nutrient timing for against insulin where a lot of times I'm like, no, I want you to spike insulin every meal because that's a growth factor. It helps get amino acids into the bloodstream. It's going to help growth for hormones. Like that's a, that's a pro-muscle hormone. That's why bodybuilders literally inject insulin into them, which I don't recommend. But yeah, so nutrient timing for me has been, it's, it's been a huge pendulum swing in the whole industry. Over and, yeah, over dec at least a decade, maybe two. But I think for me, it's, it's now it's like, it definitely matters. There's times where it's unnecessary to focus on because people are still trying to learn. So I don't want to overwhelm them with things, right? Like, and tell them to do too many things at once. However, there's also a lot of people that if you don't teach them nutrient timing, one, they won't adhere better because they don't know how to eat properly for those macros. And two, they're squeezing out a lot of progress. And instead of adjusting calories, like if I have somebody who they do want optimal and they are pretty dialed in and I need to get them leaner and they're not thinking about nutrient timing at all and their calories are right here, I can do two things. I can add cardio where they're doing more and create a deficit or I can drop calories, create a deficit, or potentially I can try to change their nutrient timing and change when they're eating certain foods. And if I can do that, maybe I will squeeze out just a little bit more energy expenditure and that gets them training harder, sleeping better, and that leads to more results, yet I didn't move calories, that's a win I'm willing to go for and try. Sometimes it doesn't work. I was going to say that's got to be less likely, but it's the best. Yes, exactly. And the other thing with that too is if you think about it like this, and this is where, shameless plug for our coaches, but this is why, this is one of the reasons why we're different. This is, we think like this, but if I have you here at calories, let's say 1800 calories. And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to lower calories because I don't think adherence will go well, right? They're already not sleeping great. They're not performing their best, so on and so forth. Let me tweak nutrient timing, get their digestion on point, get their performance and recovery better. Maybe get them to sleep an extra hour because maybe we use some chrononutrition stuff. We get their circadian rhythm form better. Let me do that. I do that. No weight loss. Doesn't work at all. But stress is lower. Performance is better. Recovery is better. Cortisol is probably better managed. 
Now I drop calories and I'm going to be able to have them better adherent to those lower calories because of all those benefits I got from adjusting nutrient timing weeks ago. So although it might not directly change fat loss right in that moment, it's going to set us up for better fat loss in the near future when I do have to go lower. Because a lot of times if you don't focus on those principles and those things at the beginning, if I lower calories, there's always the risk of worse sleep, worse performance, yeah, worse recovery, totally. higher stress, which stress is the number one cause of cravings and overeating. So you're kind of creating an insurance policy to get ahead, right? But that's where like this shit's like chess, you know, like, okay, if I move here, they could do this or this or this. So if I move here that, you know what I mean? And now it's like, totally. that's why they burn so many calories playing yeah. chess. <laughs> that's why I don't know how to play chess. Thinking. So, um, somebody listening to this chess player is like, dude, you have no idea. <laughs> I've never played chess in my life. I'm just going to be honest. It's probably pretty stressful. I would assume so. Yeah. It seems very, I too get stressed m- watching it. Too many, it. uh, I want to say variables, but moving it's parts, moving parts. I'm a checkers guy. Yeah. <laughs> Chinese checkers too. Is sick. Yeah. Used to play that a lot when I was a kid. Give me Man, a clue. I'm thinking about it way too much. Yeah. yeah. Trouble. Yeah. Sorry. Mousetrap. <laughs> God, you're ridiculous. <laughs> Those are the fun games. Then you don't yeah. have to do much. Yeah. I would love to get Blakely Mousetrap. She would love that game. You ever play that? I don't think so. You do one thing. Click it, and it's just like this whole <laughs> fucking thing. Sorry is a great one. Sorry is great, too. All right, cool. Let's move on to the next one. It says, you can't use large deficits. Didn't know how to word that one. You can't use large deficits. You so can't. The, So there's like this whole thing for a long time that like, uh, so women going into a deficit that's too low is like 1200 calories. Men going into a deficit that's too low is 1500 calories. And it was like this generic answer of like a 1200 calorie diet was like the answer doctors would give. And number one, a 1200 calorie diet without considering your protein intake is so much less effective than, I mean, you would lose more weight on a 1600 calorie diet with controlled protein, right? I mean, you'd lose significantly more on 1200 diet uh, with controlled protein. But the point was, is like that there's a lot of people that just throw out these generic blanket terms, these numbers. And it was like, if you're at 1200 as a female, that is too low. And I'm like, yeah, but there's like women that are five foot, five, three, five, six, 100 pounds, 120 pounds, 150 pounds, 200 pounds. Like, what are we talking about here? Men, same thing. 1500 calories is too low. Okay, well, I have some clients that are monsters, like they're like six foot heavy dudes that are strong as fuck. And then I have guys that are like five, two, those are two completely different guys. That five, two guy wants to get shredded. We're probably going to go to 1500 calories. Probably going to get there. So my point with this one was that for a long time, I bought into this too, because a low calorie diet just seemed unhealthy. And I'm like, what are we really doing here? We're trying to chase health, right? So why would I put people on such low calories that their body's stressed and that's causing an unhealthy environment for them. But the truth is, number one, if somebody is obese, their health problems are primarily coming from the body fat that's on their body. The diet they're taking in is causing that body fat. So I can't remove the body fat to fix the diet, so I gotta fix the diet to remove the body fat, which means that if I need to go on a 1200 calorie diet to lose weight extremely fast and that gets you motivated to keep going and you lose body fat, and now your cholesterol, your blood pressure, your hypertension, your metabolism, all these things improve your joint health because I dropped your calories 1,200. I'm all in. Yeah. Let's do it. You know, the problem is people see a number and like, that's too low. You know, now I'm always going to promote 
dieting on as many calories as possible. So if I can get away with weight loss at 2,200 instead of 1,200, then I'm all in. That makes way more sense. But there's nothing wrong with taking calories that low at times when it is necessary. Okay. So if somebody needs to go on a 1,200-calorie diet because that's the only way they can get to the, the result they're after, then that's where we have to go. As long as I have a plan to reverse them back up and sustain at a higher intake, that's okay. Same thing with the 1,500 calories with the guys. But there's, there was this thing where you just couldn't go too low. The other side of this, outside of health, somebody like me, I'm healthy. I could not lose another ounce of fat and I would be probably more healthy on it. I'm fine. But I want to lose more fat. Like I'm, I'm after it, you know. And like if I'm unwilling to dig and get my calories low, I'm never going to see the result I want, right? So if I want to get leaner and sustain it, I need to understand how lean can I get and sustain it. And I will take my calories as low as I can until I get there and then I'll reverse. If I want to get lean for like a competition, even if it's competition myself, just to do it, I might have to go past there just to get to that point. And then I got to know I got to obviously gain a little bit of weight like the reverse diet talk. But the point is, is there's, there's no black and white rule to how low you can drop your calories. Every situation is different. You know, if somebody tells me they're on a 1200 calorie diet, I don't go, fuck, that's too low. I say, how much are you training? What do you weigh? How tall are you? How old are you? How long have you been training? Yeah. How many days a week do you train? And then it's like, okay, cool. Do you take any diet breaks? Do you have any refeeds? Like, when did you adjust to that low of calories? When's the timeline? When are you finished with your diet? What's your plan after the diet's done? Oh God. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, because, and here's, if they gave me all the right answers, I'd be like, dope. Fucking get after it, dude. I'm stoked for you. Like, but it's probably pretty rare. I mean, that's a lot of right answers. But think about it. So if I'm like, okay, 1,200 calories, where's your protein? And it's at 1.2 grams per pound. Perfect. How many days a week do you train? Only four, usually six. Perfect. Are you doing any cardio? Yeah, but only less cardio because I don't want to do high intensity, which is kind of works me up and gets bad recovery. Perfect. Are you sleeping? Seven hours. Great. How long have you been doing it? We just adjusted this two weeks ago. Okay, how long have you been dieting? Eight weeks after that, so 10 weeks total. Okay, that's not bad, right? And I, but I can keep going, but like they're really, it's not really not that rare. If people okay. are doing, because I'm thinking like this, if I asked... Hallie's client or she asked me I'm on 1200 calories that okay I would feel pretty confident like about them saying yes to all these things that I want them to say yes to you know what I mean it's like how long do you have to go well the plan is 16 weeks total are you taking any refeeds and diet breaks yeah every four weeks because just like mentally I need them okay cool like you're checking the boxes you know how lean are you it's like I'm not shredded perfect like how lean do you want to get not shredded (laughs) I just lean noticeably lean it's like, go for it, you know? If I talk to somebody and they're like, and I've talked to people like this, and this is where it's polar opposite, um, where's your protein? Good, okay. How many days a week you're training? Six, ugh, okay. What kind of training are you doing? High intensity, CrossFit, ugh, okay. How much are you sleeping? Five or six hours, I run a business. Oh, God, okay. Keep going, <laughs> you know, like, how do you feel? Eh, I'm okay, it's a mental grind sometimes. All right, how long you been at it? 20 weeks, Oh, you know, it's just like, probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. yeah. Or somebody's just like, Oh, I just live at 1200 now. I di- I've been dieting all year. Like I dieted down. And I was just afraid to reverse because that happens, dude. You sign up for a coach for a three month package, which is like a lot of coaches do this. And I think it's a horrible thing. If you're a client, you see this, I think it's a red flag. You buy a three month package. It's like, okay, well what after three months, three months is like, that's what you need that time to lose weight successfully for almost anybody. And if you can lose weight faster than three months, you're going to need some reverse diet time. 
So you need three months at least, right? But if you buy just a three-month package, you're not guaranteed to continue. And they might not even plan for you to continue. So if you do a 1,200-calorie diet, you lose a bunch of weight, and you're just an everyday person that doesn't know better, you buy this three-month package, you say, peace out, thanks for the weight loss, and you go on your way. And now you're like, so do I just keep eating this? Yeah. One of two things happens. You say no because you can't help but eat more, and you gain all the way back. Or two, you're too afraid to eat more, so then you just keep eating 1,200 calories. You build a bad relationship with food. You burn your body out, and then you approach somebody like me on Instagram, and you're like, I'm only eating 1,200 calories, and I ask you 27 questions and find out that you need a better coaching system, <laughs> basically. Totally, You yeah. know what I mean? So there's times where it happens on both ends, but that's a perfect scenario of like three different situations where 1,200 calories could be totally fine or really fucking bad. Um, there's also times where it could be like, I diet at 1,200 calories, but every other week is a diet break. Well, it's like, okay, well, your net monthly calorie deficit is like 1,800. It's not crazy at all. But for your adherence, you do better if you can go like really hard for a week and then just chill for a week. Really hard, chill. Real, you know what I mean? So you can cycle it and it's totally fine too. Yes, it, and then there's probably scenarios where like all those answers are kind of in the middle. You're like, okay, you could, yeah. but we should maybe go the other way too. Exactly, but. yeah. yeah. Or manipulate how you're doing it. Yeah. And, um, but the, I think the, the really what it should be, like the lesson of it is there's no black and white answer yeah. for anything. But in this scenario, I think it's wrong to say you can't go low calorie because I know a lot of people who create content around this and I know a lot of people who answer their DMs like this and literally just say, you're eating too little. You're not fueling yourself. And, I, and sometimes I'm like, the fuck do you have to fuel yourself for? And I'm like, I don't give a shit what I deadlift. I don't know what the machine weight says. Mm-hmm. I just want to look better. Yeah. So what am I fueling? I'm fueling my happiness yeah. of what I see in the mirror. Okay, well, fueling for you means eating less. Versus the person that comes in is like, I'm really trying to bench 300 pounds. Okay. Don't fucking under eat. Yeah. That's for damn sure. Let's work, you know? So it's just different scenarios. And there's, I think there's people that got into this mindset of like, everybody needs to eat more. Everybody needs to constantly reverse. Everybody can't diet. And it's like, no, like you have to go into a deficit to lose weight. And the reason I'm so unbelievably confident about saying that to thousands and thousands of people on social media, on this podcast and everything is because I have people like Brandon Roberts behind me agreeing 100%. I have conversations with bodybuilders who are also doctors and researchers and people like that who are like, yeah, when I get shredded, I eat very little. And if I have a client that wants to get semi-shredded, they eat very little. Like it's just the law of thermodynamics. Totally. doesn't mean I want you to live on low calories, but it does mean that I'm willing to put you on low calories to get you to your goal if that's what it takes. There you go. And there's a way, there's an art of coaching where you know how long to do it for, when to do it, how to do it, um, what to do with the person while they're doing it so you can coach them through it the right way. Yeah. Um, but there's no black and white answer there. Totally. At all. So Too many variables, too many questions, too many, it depends. 100%. Um, number one, we're running out of time here. Number two, my voice is, is damn near tapping <laughs> out. Um, yeah, we got, we did uh, four of those, and we got uh, four more, so we could definitely do a part two. Yep, yeah. let's do it. We got three more, but I already thought of another one that we can do while I was recording. I had to correct you. Um, I, cause I thought about why we were recording. I was like, I got to think of another one, but as we were talking, I had an idea. So gotcha. there will be a part two and there will be four more cause three is not enough. So, well, just another friendly reminder. Um, if you got, were a giveaway winner, give an email to Emily at taylorcoachmethod.com and we will send those t-shirts and, or not t-shirts, uh, journals and stickers out yes, this sir. week. And if you're one of those people who skipped the intro by clicking fast forward 15 seconds, a bunch of times, 
Go see if you won. Yeah, go back, <laughs> listen to the beginning, <laughs> see if you won. We'll ship those. Are you relating to that? Yep, 100%. <laughs> All right, have a good day.